0: to the podcast. I'm your host, Cole. This is Of The Steel Guitar Podcast. I'm doing this portion first for once, and you'll understand why here in a little bit. Um, Thank you for joining with me today for this subject. This is a different subject than what I usually talk about on the podcast, and I hope you guys will enjoy it. It's a little bit of a different take, so I'm really excited to start the new series. But one thing that I would ask if after this podcast, once it's done, If you have not left a review or looked me up on other platforms on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, etc., please do. That's where I'm socializing with you guys, and that's one thing I think that's really important is, yes, you guys are my listeners, but you guys are also essentially my colleagues in this fight to fight against what is coming off country music today, which will be a portion of what we talk about in this series, so I cannot wait and... Thank you guys for joining me. And let's get into it. And you may be asking me, Cole, what what's up with this title? This is different. It is. So, one thing that I've always harped on in my whole entire life is the importance of history. History is important. You cannot tell me that history is not important in regards to anything, really. World history... American history, Latin history, Canadian history, Antarctican history, whatever. It's all important because it is a part of our story. We are the songwriters of our times. We write our songs in history every single day. And we talked about that in American Remains episode. And that's what really started this. Series in my mind. This is what started my thinking. Country music has such a deep root. In American history. The roots run so deep. If we're talking about a tree. We are talking like. A pine. An evergreen. Whatever that's been rooted in the same place. For hundreds of years. It's ancient. And it's took all the nutrients. From. Miraculous storms, thunderstorms, hurricanes, and made it what it is today. It's evolved with history, sometimes for the better, and sometimes actually for the worst. And that truly begs the inner question, where did it originate from? What is the history that's associated with it, and why is it important? And that's what the series is all about. Welcome to the history of country music. So when you think of country music, you think of so many various time periods, I'm sure. I think of like the outlaw movement. That's the one movement that I can think of where I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, this is, this is country music. Uh, David Allan Coe, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, all the prestigious icons, the Mount Rushmores, the Top Ten List. We kind of get lost w- with that movement because it's so romanticized. And then, addition to that, we talk about the 90s. We got Alan Jackson out there singing Chattahoochee. Um, Five O'Clock Somewhere, or It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. You got Garth Brooks. You got George Freaking Straight, which, I mean, 80s and 90s accumulation. But you got so many amazing artists. And then you got places like the 50s, the 40s, the 20s. There's so many different time periods. And in these time periods, there's a lot of generational changes. There's a lot of additional stuff that goes on. There's a lot of instrumental stuff changing. There's a lot of lyrical things changing. There's a lot of different meanings and themes. It's always evolving just as America has. And again, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. So... We will dive into it. So, we've talked about the documented times, but how about the undocumented times? The times of the world where country music wasn't a thing necessarily, by name. The principles of country music in America come from the Appalachians, the App Mountains. And the Appalachians, the Appalachians, the Appalachians, the Appalachians, There's a lot of ways people say it. I always call it the app mountains because it's just a good abbreviation. That way I'm not sitting there like trying to sit there and spin my word about 15 times trying to get the correct pronunciation or both correct pronunciations out of my mouth. As you can tell, I can get tongue-tied sometimes. It comes from the apps. And especially around the town of... I'll let you guess it. Take five seconds. Five seconds. Guess the name of the town where country music originated. I'll give you 5 seconds. Probably more than 5, but If you guess Nashville, Tennessee, I'm sorry, you're tonight's biggest loser. <laughs> no. It's actually in the same state. It's in Bristol. The same place where I when I think of Bristol, I think of the drag strip and I think of Bristol Motor Speedway. Into both amazing places, but I never sit there and think that is the place where country music originated. Especially how it's been preached over and over that Nashville, 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 Nashville is where country music originated, and it's not true. And if you look deeper, it's maybe not even originated in Bristol, but this is where the accumulation of everything comes. So the app mountain folk would come together in the midway. So Tennessee and Virginia, they meet together and I would even say North Carolina. They all meet together and Bristol's like the middle ground. It's just where every it's just if you go from Virginia, you go to Tennessee, they all are interwoven and you usually end up around Bristol. These folk caused this music to originate. And this music, originally, if you really think about it, came from Europe. Yep. Europe. Africa. And the rest of the Mediterranean basin for around 300 years. This folk music. This music of the people. From like 17th century Africa to colonial Europe. To them settling over here through so much development. But... Everybody has always used music to sing their feelings, their blues. All these collective areas developed all the themes into what we know as the music of the App Mountains today. Another movement from the App Mountains would be during Manifest Destiny, so when we were settling the West, crossing the Mississippi in Louisiana, Which causes the arise of Cajun music. I guess I can add a little fun little story with this. Is When I think Cajun, I think of like Forrest Gump. And when he meets Bubba's family and when he meets Bubba Gump. And I know that there's a certain stigma. We'll say stigma. That goes along with the people. You know, Louisiana and the Cajun area. But think of that. And one funny thing is I actually just got back from a trip. From a drag strip. And I went to Walmart and they had a Forrest Gump vinyl. And I bought that thing because Gump is one of my favorite movies of all time, obviously. And it's just, Cajun people are a very vital part into what country music is today. In the Southwest, we had the accumulation of the Rocky Mountains, the American Frontier, and the Rio Grande, which had the Native Americans, Latin, and cowboy influence into ballards, which arise into the New Mexico music. Shout out to my boy Billy in Albuquerque right now. I bet you didn't even know that one of your state that you are currently residing in is country music originations, origin stories. They essentially developed the western music. So, you know, cowboy ballads essentially like that. And the Asian Pacific culture, specifically Hawaii, which I've mentioned this before, developed the steel guitar sound. It stands out. It's its own. And the reason it does is because it's not from our country. And by our country, I mean, you know, Hawaii is part of the states. But at the time, no. Hawaii. So, we talk about all this, but we're sitting here still grasping at straws, right? We're still trying to figure out, like... Well, that's cool and all, but where's the country music come into? That's just a whole bunch of folk music. Well, folk music, I would say, is country music, 100% origination. And this kind of, this is what I love diving into this, because now that previous conversation where I had about southern rock and folk music and stuff like that, it really comes to a head. Especially when I get to explain, you know, the normalization of country music back in the 20s, which is the next development, which is the first generation of country music. The first recording commercially of the country music instrument style is the Arkansas Traveler and Turkey in the Straw by legendary fiddlers Henry Gilland and A.C. Robertson on June thirtieth, 1922. It would release in 1923 on April with victor records columbia records soon started releasing their hillbilly music which is interesting if anybody knows about columbia records as being one of the most iconic record labels of all time even today sony owns it but in 1923 the first commercial recording of the first country song was fiddlin john carson the artist being fiddlin john carson with Little Log Cabin in the Lane, for Oakey Records on June 14th. The first major nationwide country hit was by Vernon Dalhart, with The Wreck of the Old 97. So that is the first song. And I would advise you, if you are interested in country music and learning more about country music, looking this stuff up is great, but listening to the music of the time and hearing the development of the sound from the start to what it is today, is a real insight of where the world of country music was and where it is now. In the same year, Samantha Bumgardner and, and Eva Davis became the first females to ever record and release country music. Other pioneer recording artists are Riley Puckett, Don Richardson, Fiddle and John Carson, Uncle Dave Mason, Charlie Poole and his North Carolina Rambles, and many more. The steel guitar obviously made its appearance, like I said, in country music early in 1922 when Jimmy Tarleton met the Hawaiian-born player Frank Pereira. There's a lot of stuff to uncover here. There's a lot of history. It's very deep because country music it's an accumulation of different styles, different arts, different time periods, different cultures all together. You got to think back in the colonial times when you had Europe settling over here, you had France, you had you know, all the uh, all the countries in Europe. And then you had on top of that you had other people come from other countries like Africa. Then you had the Native Americans at the same time There is a lot going on. Now, Native Americans, obviously, there's a language barrier there. So there's not necessarily something where it's like Native Americans were able to put their spin on country music at the time, but they had their own kind of music. And to think that we're not influenced by the Native Americans type of music would be redundant because, well, there's songs about Native Americans that are using Native American tunes. I mean, that'd be redundant to say so. That's one thing that if you're really thinking about country music and if you're one of those so-called haters of country music, if you don't like country music, which first of all, if you're on this podcast, I applaud you that you are here and you're willing to sit here and listen to me ramble about country music. But country music is universal in regards to not just its themes, but where it came from. If you want Music about songs that are about literally everybody. Country music is that. And that's one thing that if you're really sitting here and you're thinking. I will use like rap for instance. Yes, rap is its own genre and it's very popular in today's culture. But when it comes to rap music, it only fits It's a certain particular age, whatever. When it comes to country music, it can apply to all ages, if it's true country music. The most important artists in the movement, there's actually two technically, one's a group and one is a particular artist, is Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family. The Carter family consists of A.P. Carter, which is the husband of Sarah Carter, Mabel Carter, her sister-in-law, which is married to Ezra Carter, which is, his nickname was Eck, which was AP's brother and Sarah's first cousin. A little interesting information. The group's love of music actually originated into their gospel setting as they went to church and they learned gospel music. So it just become like natural to them that they love music and this gospel music did influence them through a lot of their recordings. Again, I always talk about how most of the time country music artists like Josh Turner, like Brad Paisley, include maybe a hymn in their recordings, or a song that does have religious undertones. Well, there's a reason for that, because country music was hugely influenced by gospel music. And gospel music, it has a love and hate relationship with a lot of people. So, there is that, uh, I guess, barrier for some, but to disregard it as a pioneer in the country music movement would be just idiotic. This group actually recorded their first tracks with Ralph Peer with Victor Talking Machine Company on August 1st, which is literally one day before Rogers recorded with Peer. The songs that literally strike me, like I was looking through the list, and, I, you know, it's just one of those things where... I'm sitting there and looking through this list, and the one song that I did see is Keep on the Sunny Side. Of course, I've heard that song from Brothers Where Are Thou, the movie, which is just a country classic, a country standard even. And one thing that I will say about that is it loosely depicted how country music came to be at the recording studio with Jimmy Rogers. Because Jimmy Rogers was a day after carter family jimmy rogers though is considered the father of country music so if you're considered the father you're the granddaddy you're, you're the big man you like on top rogers dropped out of school fairly early in his career and worked for the railroad company where his father has been in the industry pretty much his whole entire life in ohio he started as a water boy first and progressed through the company, eventually making it to a brakeman. And he continued to work on his artistic style with music. He actually won a talent show fairly young, which seems to be a trend with artists like Johnny Horton, for instance. He won a talent show, and he's like, you know what, I must be pretty good at this music thing, so I guess I might need to chase it. However, Roger's life kind of came to a halt as he was diagnosed with tuberculosis in 1924, which caused him to shift his focus entirely towards music by 1927, having to retire from the railroad. Because if anybody knows about coal and railroad, and not this coal, C-O-A-L, yeah, that's a funny joke from middle school that wasn't so funny for me, but it's not easy on the lungs. So, he had to move on. Rogers overheard these sessions that Veer was undergoing in Bristol, Tennessee, which is later known as the Bristol Sessions. And interesting enough, the Bristol Sessions has that parallel of the Adobe Sessions album with Cody Jinks. It's kind of interesting. Rogers included all elements of music in his that he loved: hillbilly country, gospel, jazz, blues, pop, cowboy ballads and folk all into his recordings. And that's how Jimmy Rogers got to be where he is. Again, one of those guys where, if you've never heard him before, and you listen to the music, it almost seems like a whole different genre than what it did, let's say, the outlaw movement. You compare the two, there's a big difference. There really is. The Cash family recorded numerous songs as well in 17 years reserve southeastern folklore so their main concern wasn't necessarily about selling it was doing that because if you really want to sit here and talk about this the way that stories were progressed is through telling just that stories recording history by mouth was how people often talked about stuff like be like uh, i tell you a story right now. I'm just going to choose a random story out of the back of my head. Um, What's an interesting story that happened? Du, 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 du. Okay, this is the story that I'm going to go with. And this is something that my grandpa taught me. So, my grandpa, like I've stated before, served in the Army. He was a tanker driver, a fuel tanker driver, in Germany during the time of Vietnam. And there was one instance where he was having to deliver fuel to a German, I guess, establishment. occupied by Germans, whatever. And this was, of course, after World War II. So, there's still a little bit of, you know, animosity and everything that's going on. And my grandpa just drives the fuel tanker down. And he noticed that there's these missiles sitting on top of the hill. And they, like, are coming out of the rocks is the way that my grandpa explained it to me. They're coming out of these rocks, and they're looking down on him. He doesn't see the transitional period. Like, he doesn't see them elevating or anything. But he just says that it seemed like they appeared out of nowhere. So he just does what he does when it's his job. He, he drives, and he goes down to the tanker station, drops off the fuel, he gets out of the truck. soldier, his fellow soldier, the German soldier, came out and was, just talked to him casually and then drops this on my grandpa says, Hey, uh, just so you know that we were about three minutes away from firing them rockets at you because we didn't know who you were for whatever reason. Of course, that could be a joke, but the way that my grandpa explained it, it was a very serious situation because they actually had to Caught off the, the rockets. They had to uh, signal the rockets to not be shot. And that's a story that my grandpa told me. And I could tell that to numerous people upon my life. I could tell it to my son if I ever am graced enough to have a son or daughter. A nephews, my nieces, whatever. And 200 years, that story is going to be gone. That story will be gone. Or it will change, it will be altered in some kind of way. But we've all done the experiment, the old exercise of when we go into class and we sit down and we're like, all right, Cole, whisper to Jenna. And Jenna will whisper to you know whoever and it ends up being all the way down the line. And then when it gets down to the end of the line, it is something absolutely insane. Something that's ridiculous. It's changed so much. Because that transitional period of going from each person down the line, and that's an extreme example, is down the line, some people will mishear things, they will misspend things, sometimes they'll just add what they want to. And then by the time it reaches the end of the road, it's something absolutely insane, something completely different. But you know what is actually recorded? history. History is recorded. And you know how history is recorded? The writing. Yes, by mouth, initially, but if you want something to be preserved, something to stay, something to not leave, you sit down and you write it. For instance, you want to go to the grocery store and you don't want to forget what you need at the grocery store. This is not history. You write it down either in your notes on your phone a voice memo, whatever. And then you have it ready to go. Songwriting is just that, recording history. It may be personal history, it may be history of America, it may be global history, and then you add music to it. And then it's a song. And that song if it is not even necessarily a hit at all, that song is published. And that song, if published, will be there forever. 200 years down the road. 1,000 years down the road. Loud and Heavy will be Loud and Heavy by Cody Jinks. It may be covered by a million different artists and changed Altered, whatever. But Loud and Heavy by Cody Jinks will still be Loud and Heavy by Cody Jinks and nothing's changed. And it's the same thing with Jimmy Rogers. Going back to listen to Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family, it's the same thing. They are who they are. Their music will not be altered. The initial recordings won't be altered. And they're immortalized. In history, in country music history, and in an Americana, in American history, American remains. I know, it's a really full circle. That's probably the deepest philosophical thought that I've ever had on this podcast. So, woohoo, go me! I'm doing something! Woohoo! But one thing that I would also like to include on this so, the Carter family, they're iconic in country music. There's three different generational times the Carter family has come in to play. And I will say that one that most people know off the top of their head is June Carter Cash, or just June Carter initially. Uh, She married three times, Carl Smith being two of the musicians, Carl Smith and Johnny Cash. She died in, like, 72, 73 years old being married to Cash, even though they did have marital problems, which have been talked about, wrote about, made movies about, whatever. But June Carter Cash is just one of those iconic members of country music, and she was a part of the family that started it all, or one of the families that started it all. So, Interesting thoughts here, interesting thoughts. So... That is a lot to do with the first generational of country music. That is, And there's so many generations, and I can't wait to dive into them a little bit later. I'm just trying to segment this into a logical transition chronologically that makes sense, teaches you guys, the viewers, of what country music is and where it originated from and where it's at. No matter where you're from, if you're from Japan, from Belgium, from... Antarctica, which I mean Antarctica's like whew, that's it's crazy. Um wherever you're from it does apply. The origin stories of country music will help you better understand maybe your specific type of country music comes from. And I would love to take a worldwide look of country music and folk music of different countries and stuff and learn and because that's one thing about country music that I have always decided is I am always willing to learn about country music in any regard. So, thank you so much for joining me in this first installment. I know this is a lot of history to drop on you guys for just the first installment of the series. However, I wanted to get a good baseline and... It is very important that we learn the first generational type of country music because if you notice, I've never, I haven't dropped, you know, Hank Williams Senior, Ernest Tubb, some of those earlier pioneers of country music at the time because they haven't made it yet. They have not made it where it is. So, again, I will see you guys in the future. Please, 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 please take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to the history of country music with your man Cole. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And as always, I say over and over and over again, keep country music alive. See you guys later. Peace out.